0: So this morning, maybe you're like, maybe you've noticed that I am, I'm not a father, okay, Um, and why am I giving this sermon? Well, partially, it's twofold, because I kind of, it's complicated, but the main reason was I wanted to give the dads on our staff a chance just to enjoy this weekend without having to prep for a sermon, but then I also was thinking, I feel like Father's Day is always so complicated, if we're going to be really honest, right? Because um, we're celebrating fathers, right? And it's all this imagery of like, uh, you know, cookouts and baseball mitts and frisbee tossing and like going fishing with your dad and all this great stuff, right? Which some of us have had the experience of having. But some of us may be walking in a place where we are still trying to mend the relationship we have with our father, or we have bitterness or whatever, right? And I was just thinking, um, or you know not not to make this about me, but I was like, for us in our family, this is the first father's day that we won't be we'll, we'll be celebrating without my father. And so I just always feel like like Mother's Day and Father's Day are always so loaded and so complicated. And so as I was thinking about what to preach on, what aspect of Father's Day, you know, how do how what does that look like? And I felt like God was saying, you know, Mako, I want people to know that I am the ultimate father. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, and, I, and I'll share with you guys, too, as a way of explaining this. Um, I, so I grew up, um, my parents separated at 10, Okay. And I had this kind of like love-hate relationship with my dad. Because my parents would get in a fight. My dad would split, you know. Um, and it was just, I just felt like he was never there when I needed him. Probably the climax of that came, um, the peak of that came when I was in college. And I got into a bad car accident. It was, just, it, was, um, it was a rainy night. I wasn't driving. I was a passenger. But we got into a bad car crash. I went to school in Santa Barbara. And we slammed into a wall. And um, I passed out, and I broke my collarbone. And so um, I obviously went to the hospital. And my mom, who lived in Covina, that's where I grew up, Covina, whoop, whoop. (laughs) Mako, party of one, Mako, party of one. (laughs) But um, so my mom was in Covina. It was going to take her a couple hours to drive up to Santa Barbara. And then I I also reached out to my dad, had some of my friends And I kept passing in and out in the hospital. Like I'd pass out and then I'd come to. And then I was in so much pain that they'd knock me out. And then I'd come to. Anyway, so I had some of my friends call my dad. And they're like, your daughter was in a really bad accident. And she'd really love it if you could come up and visit. And so he kind of hemmed and hawed. Anyways, needless to say, my mom came up. My dad didn't. And I made the decision because this is how I am. Sometimes I don't know when to quit. But I stayed in school. I stayed in my dorm room after my accident, because I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna quit school, I'm staying in school. <laughs> well, maybe I should have gone home for a little bit. <laughs> but, so I called my dad a couple of days after the accident, and I said, I really, really would like to see my dad. Like, and our, like I said, our relationship at the time was kind of rocky, and so he's like, uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, and he just hung up, and that was it. And I, I didn't have any life-threatening injuries or anything, But um, that just devastated me, devastated me, just devastated me. And I was thinking, I'm like, it could have been really a lot worse, like, uh, you know, and I just, I couldn't understand. Anyways, so I carried that bitterness in my heart for years, years and years and years. And I swore to myself that when I got married, I was not going to have my dad walk, Walk me down the aisle, like he didn't earn that. He he no, mm-mm. he wasn't gonna come see my kids when I gave birth to them. No, like I, okay. So fast forward. So obviously growing up, and we became saved. We had a wonderful, wonderful Pentecostal nurse that lived down the street from us, and she was the head trauma nurse at UCLA, and I was always hurting myself, always. Her name was Mrs. Liggins, and her daughters, they became our second family. My sister and I are our second family. And I'd always fall, and I'd go to their house, and Miss Liggins, she was, she was a black Pentecostal woman. She'd be like, child, your body is the temple of the Lord. What are you doing banging it up? I'm like, I know, Mrs. Liggins, I know. So she'd doctor me up, and she'd feed me. And Anyway, so she led my mom, my sister, and I to the Lord. And so that was great, but I still was kind of like, um, God, uh, you know, because often how we relate to our earthly father, we carry that over and that's how we relate to our heavenly father. Okay. And so I was kind of like, I was just like, Oh God, I want to trust you, but I don't know. Right. I was like, ah, and so for years I walked through that. Um, fast forward, I graduated from college And my dad, um, I mean this in the best sense of the word, he was like a fly on a piece of poop with me. (laughs) He would not leave me alone. He called me multiple times a day, and he'd be like, I love you, I messed up, I want to have a relationship. And I'm like, too bad, you had that chance, I'm out, see ya. And he, for a year and a half, he wore me down. And he would not stop. There was nothing that I could say to him that would deter him. And he just kept coming after me, coming after me. He's like, I love you. You're my daughter. I screwed up. I'm sorry. I'm owning it. Let's have a relationship. It doesn't have to be perfect, but I love you, and I want to have a relationship. Anyways, so I was like, are you going to peace out on me again if I say yes? Because that's been your pattern. Like, I'm, and he just, anyways, so fast forward and I, when I say, I, I mean that in the most affectionate way, a fly on a piece of poop. He just, he was just talking about making up for lost time. He wasn't perfect. Our relationship wasn't perfect. We still had issues. Um, but he just was always in our lives. Um, I had a bunch of back procedures a couple years ago. And... Um, a couple times he would take me because you had to dri- have to have a driver because they'd knock you out. And so I remember one time I came to and I would always... Um, it was this procedure where they burn the nerves on your spine. Okay? And it's, it is, it's pretty... I, it seems like in this day and age they can't figure out a better way to do this, but this is how they did it. So you'd have to be semi-awake, they'd start burning them, and then you... Anyway, so my nerves, of course, never just died. It would take a while. So I'd come out of anesthesia just crying from the pain. And I remember the first time my dad took me, because Josh had to take Sophia to school, and I came up, and his rough and calloused hands were squeezing my hand, because he was a produce worker for years, he was a produce manager for 40 years, so he had these rough hands. And I just remember he was just right there squeezing my hand, and he was hollering for the nurse. And I just thought, man. That just, I was like, oh, it's good to have my daddy with me. And it really helped me understand how God is with us, God the Father. So what I want us to do, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, I kind of had it um, backwards, and this is what I feel God wants for us today, is not to extrapolate and say, this was my relationship with my human father. I'm gonna transpose it and put it on God the Father. Because I think God the Father is like, no, 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 you've never had a father like me. I am gonna be the pinnacle, and everything else is gonna roll down. So let me break your mold. So that's what we're gonna look at today. Um, and real quick, I just want us to read. So, what's interesting is in the Old Testament, I think there's about 30-some-odd references to God as Father, okay? But then, and it was all in the covenantal relationship, right? And then we fast-forward to the New Testament, and there's a different type of relationship. In just the synoptic Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, Father, God the Father is referred to up to 60 times just in those three books, so that's showing us that from the Old Testament to the New Testament, um, God as Father is the predominant, that, that's his identity. And I think a lot of times, um, at least for me, because we look at the Old Testament maybe, right? And we're like, um, God, you seem pretty angry and you're smiting a lot of people in the Old Testament. He was a God of justice. But in the New Testament, we, become, we come under a new contract, the contract of grace, okay? And what I love about that is it kind of frees God the Father up to function in grace as a good, good Father. Not that he wasn't a good Father in the Old Testament, but his son paid the ultimate price for us in the New Testament so we can really have an intimate relationship that isn't based on us sacrificing stuff and us washing our hands 50 times a day. Okay, so... What I want us to do, real quick, first is look at some of these verses that are in the Old Testament and the New Testament, just so we kind of um, get it in our heads. Like, I think a lot of times we think of God and we're like, oh, God the Father, that's just one aspect of his personality. But that is who he is, he is God the Father. And he loves us so ferociously that he won't leave us alone. He's going to keep pestering us, keep calling us, keep knocking on our door. Because he's like, I love you. I have redeemed you. I have made a way for intimate relationship with you. I want you. Let's do this. Let's be family. All right. So I just want us to read. We're going to read some verses. Um, First one is Psalm one hundred three thirteen. Do we have it? Thank you guys. Thanks to the AV team. I came in this morning. I was like, I need some verses put up, and they're great. So okay. So Psalm one hundred three thirteen, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Now this isn't just fear, like um, please don't smite me. It's a it's a it's a respectful, obedient kind of thing where you're like, I, I believe you can do whatever you want, God. So I, I bow down. I tap out to you, okay? All right. Oh, let's see, what time is it? Ah, Okay, so what we're going to do actually is we're going to skip ahead to uh, Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? That's Matthew 6.26. So some of you guys know that I've turned into a rescuer, wildlife rescuer, (laughs) or just like we find animals, and then I'm like, oh, we can't let them die here, so we take them home and we... And so some of these animals that we have, we, we, let's just be honest, me, huh? Because Josh is like, no no more animals. But some of these animals that we've rehabbed are, they're considered like gross and like kind of scum of the earth, but they have a purpose, okay? And um, these these possums, (laughs) who I may or may not have named, (laughs) they... They uh, you know, as I was trying to read up on them and um, figure out what's you know what what's a diet we feed them all, they eat cockroaches, they eat mice, they eat gross stuff, but what's amazing- so they are like our natural garbage men and women, okay And I was thinking, man, God. And that's the idea, like, in in that verse that we just read, 626. There are these animals that God created that he provides perfectly for. I bet you guys didn't know this. Uh, Possums have to have a certain type of diet, or they'll get metabolic bone disease. Who knew, right? They have to have the right amount of potassium, calcium, and something else. (laughs) Uh, Protein. And if they don't get it, they get, like, Their bones get deformed and it's painful and then they die. Who knew? I didn't know, but God created them in such a way that their natural diet feeds that to their body. And I just I was blown away. I nerd out on stuff like that. But then I was thinking, man, if God takes care to make sure that possums have just the diet that they need, these are these are bottom dwellers, right? These are these are animals that we like. Uh, may or may not have, when I was a kid, thrown stuff at them because they scared the poop out of me. And yet God, our Father, is like, no, I've created them and I'm providing a special diet for them. Mm -hmm. Just let that settle. How much more is God going to care for us who are made in his image as his children, right? Just let that rattle around your brain. All right, so we have a lot more verses to go through, but what I want to do is we're going to just dive into the meat of one of these verses. Um, turn to Matthew thir- three thirteen through 15. Um, Martin Luther, uh, the, the guy who started the Reformation has this quote, and I think it's so great and it's so applicable and it's so important why we need to come together. He said, to gather with God's people in united adoration is as necessary to the Christian life as prayer. Um, When I was in, um, I got my master's degree at uh, APU, and it was like seminary, seminary, and I remember one of my professors, her name was Dr. Sarah Sumner, And she was just the bomb.com. She was amazing. Super smart, but also had such a heart for God and serving his people. And I remember one day during class, she's like, we're going to get down on our knees and pray. And I was like, what are we doing that we're supposed to be learning about? Theology and stuff. And so we got down on our knees, and the Holy Spirit came and visited the class. And it was like revival broke out. But the thing that kicked us off, she's like, you guys. She didn't say you guys. That's my paraphrase. She said the, the, the thing that you have to get in your heads is how do you conceive of God? Because what you think of God as will dictate how you walk out your faith and how you relate to him. So if in your mind he is uh, an emotionally absent father... You're not gonna go all in with him you're gonna be like ah, I kind of trust you but not really please don't hurt me right instead of being like I'm all in And I just remember what when she said that that just comp- that just so it's like when you go to the chiropractor and they adjust your neck right and they kind of start up here and then it helps everything else fall into place it helps everything else fall into place and I think, it's important for us to try and leave by the wayside our emotional baggage. I'm not saying to ignore it, but to turn, turn away from this and turn away towards, t- towards God and say, God, teach me how to see you as the good, good father, because that's what he is. And we say, I want you to peel off all those other layers, Okay, let's get into this real quick. And here are some reasons why he's a good, good father. All right, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Okay, so this is Jesus' first public. Like, what's up? I'm Jesus. I'm gonna start my ministry, okay? So okay. Oops, sorry. i <laughs> just kidding, I'm in John. Just wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Okay, here we go. All right. Um and you guys remember too, John the Baptist, who's his cousin, is also like the precursor to Jesus. OK. So three, we're going to start with um, chapter 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan. It's John his cousin, to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, "I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me." Verse 15, Jesus answered him, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fill all, fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. After Jesus, verse 16, um, after Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. Verse 17, and there came a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son, I take delight in him. Now I know we've probably all read that verse, like if we haven't read it recently, we've heard it, we're super familiar with it, right? But as I was studying for this, I I, kind of saw it in a different light. At this point, Jesus has done zero for his public ministry. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't restored anybody's sight. He hasn't cast any demons out. He's not turned. He's done none of that. And what's even more interesting is that in chapter um, 5 is when he starts the, his temptation. He goes in the desert and goes through all that. And yet, what does God the Father say? This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. You guys get in the picture. God wasn't like Jesus. I need you to perform for me first, and then I'm going to praise you. No. What is he? What is what is what is God the Father called Jesus? My beloved Son. If you guys walk out of here with anything, I want it to be this. It's about relationship. Our identity is steeped in relationship. That's where it starts and that's where it ends. When we figure out whose we are, who we belong to, we can do anything and step into any situation Because God the Father is like, I am so proud of you. You don't have to prove anything to me. I love you because of our relationship. And I think, I just pray that we would get this and it would sink into our bones to know this. God's not a performance. He doesn't have a score sheet and he's not like, okay, you did that, you did that. You know, Sophia had some teachers that were super into rubrics for grading stuff, right? That's not God. God's not like, check, check, check. Oh, you got to work on this one. God's like, you're my son. You're my daughter. I believe in you. I love you. I I think, so for this season, for us, um, I'm going to totally embarrass my daughter. and I'll have to pay for it later. Sorry. <laughs> so Sophia... <laughs> worked super hard. Math is not math in our family is not a big strong point, okay? Both sides. Both sides. Both sides. <laughs> both sides. And so um, and then Josh and I both have learned disabilities and we found out in this season Sophia did too. And so we're like, "Babe, we know whatever you get, we're proud of you in math." And she had physics, too, this year. So, And so she just, so we kept telling her. We kept telling her. We believed in her, but we're like, oh, my gosh, this is like a steep hill to climb <laughs> to try and get good grades in physics and math, right? And we had parent-teacher conferences with the teachers, both these subjects, because physics was all math, too. And we're just like, oh, dear Jesus, please help our daughter. And we're just like... Sophia, you just work hard, you, you get tutoring, whatever you get, we're super proud of you, right? And I, we, we told her though, we're like, you get this stuff, it just takes your brain a little while to get it, get it. And we are so proud of her because she got, <laughs> I don't usually do this, but she got a freaking A in math, you guys. <laughs> i sorry, Sophie. <laughs> but here's the thing: I think God the Father. I know. I don't think. I know that God the Father is like that with us, right? We look at something, right, or whatever, or we're just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna kind of skate along in life, or whatever. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my thing, you know. I, I don't. I don't have greatness in me, God. I don't have anything exceptional. And God comes along as our Father, and he looks at us, and he says, you can't see it yet, but you have greatness in you. You can get an A in math, because guess what? I know you. I created you. I put all that stuff in you. And so the good news about that, you guys, is we don't have to try and Put that stuff in us or fake it till we make it. God's like, take my hand, I got you. Be obedient to me, walk in my ways. And it's not because God's a dictator or whatever, but he's like, I created you, I know what's gonna help you. So come on, let's do this together. All right. The other the other verse that I'm gonna look at too is We are going to look at John 4, 1 through 26. This is a Samaritan woman. This is probably one of my favorite Bible stories, period. Okay, so John 4, 1 through 26. And what I want us to remember is in John 10, 30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one, right? Right? So, Jesus was doing nothing apart from the Father, right? Okay? All right. This is, um, so John 4, 1 through 26. Because of time, I might just read certain sections, but here, okay. Um, When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. Verse four, he had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sichar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Verse six, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about six in the evening. You know what I love about this? Uh, real quick, this is totally this is not related, but I just love the humanity that comes across in this, Jesus is like, I'm tired, I, my mouth is parched, I need some water, right? Okay. Um, verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Uh, verse 9, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That is the understatement of the year. Okay? Real quick family history here between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews despised the Samaritans because they were considered, um, I'm just going to say it, like half breeds, like less than, because they didn't fully embrace the law. They weren't into all the ritual cleanness that the Jews were. So, they, they, They shared a common genealogical lineage, but for the Jews, the Samaritans were just gross and icky. And if you even looked at a Samaritan person, you got cooties, okay? And it made you unclean, like just being in the same airspace as them. And what's fascinating here is that Jesus is taking... Water that is served by this woman from the well, like that just didn't happen because Jesus, if he was just an average person, he would he'd be completely contaminated for the rest of his life. And yet, not only does he ask for water from this woman, but he starts to engage her in conversation, which never happened, never happened with a Samaritan. Okay, Um, verse ten. Okay, we're gonna skip down. Verse eleven, sir," she said to, "Sir," she said the said the woman, "You don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water?" Okay, so they talk about that, and then they keep going back and forth about the water, right? And then verse sixteen, and Jesus says to her, "Go call your husband." Now I've learned this from maybe watching too much, but watching the Amber Heard trial and <coughs> Johnny Depp trial, that on Cross-examination, the lawyers are going to do, in cross-examination, right? So if Johnny Depp's attorneys were cross-examining Amber Heard, right? Okay, don't hold that against me, (laughs) y'all. They're only going to ask questions that they know the answers to. That's how cross-examination works. And Jesus is being an excellent cross-examination He knows the answer. Before he even utters a single word, he knows what the answer is going to be from this woman. Okay? So the answer, he's not like, what? I didn't see that coming. He knows the answer before he even utters the first letter of the question. Okay. And then so she says, I don't, he's like, go call your husband. She's like, "Uh, I don't have a husband, she answered. And Jesus, I just love how Jesus is like, he's not one to stand on um, politeness or ceremony. He says, you have said correctly. (laughs) That's right. Um, You have said correctly. I don't have a husband, Jesus said. And then Jesus just takes it all the way home here. Verse 18, he says, for you've had five husbands. (laughs) And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. (laughs) So Jesus is like, I'm not playing. Boom, right? Okay, and so they they have this interaction. They go back and forth, right? And by the end of this interaction, she's like, I see you as the Messiah, right? And she comes to faith in Jesus. And Jesus has her go back to her Samaritan town. But scholars believe she is the primary reason why Samaria, all of all of the Samaritans got saved, was because of this woman. Now here's my point: like with Jesus, maybe maybe we look at the example with Jesus when God the Father pops out of the sky, he's like, "This is my son. He hasn't done anything, but I love him and I'm so proud of him just because of his relationship to me." Right? Maybe we can be like, "Okay, that's because that was his son," right? Like, and they're both God. Okay. But then we extrapolate it, and we look at this woman, the Samaritan woman. And she's in the middle of her thing, her lifestyle, right? She hasn't cleaned herself up. She's not like, I have a 21-point plan. I'm going to get myself out of this. I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a retirement plan, blah, blah, blah. No, she's still doing her thing. And I love how Jesus, remember, because he and the Father are one, He approaches her, and he sees something in her that nobody else would have ever said, oh, you've got this in you. But Jesus approaches her, and he walks up to her, and he engages her in conversation. And he calls out what is inside of her. Puts that invitation out there. He's like, if you take my hand, there's no looking back. And this woman is responsible for taking the gospel to the entire Samaritan nation. Holy freaking cow. That's amazing. We could go through the Bible time and time again of these different stories. Um, Rahab, story of Rahab, right? Who is a prostitute? Right? We know this because the Bible says prostitute over and over and over in the Old Testament, and she's referred to as a prostitute in the New Testament as well. Right, And yet God looks at her, and he's like, oh, yes, there's stuff in you that I want to mine and bring out. Not because you've proven it, but because of who you are in relationship to me. And we see this over again. Moses, right? He's like, I don't, I don't speak too well, God. God's like, I got you covered. I'll give you an interpreter, your brother. Let's have your brother speak for you. And Moses comes up with all these excuses, right? And he, at the time God calls him out, right, he was raised as a prince of Egypt. Very best education. Raised with all the customs. And then he decides he's going to take matters in his own hand, and he, his heart is stirred for his people who are slaves in Egypt, and he kills, right? And then he thinks, oh, I'm going to be the savior of my people. And then it didn't go according to plan, right? So he escapes, and he's tending sheep. He's attending a flock that's not even his flock. It's his father-in-law's flock. And God calls him out, and he's like, guess what? Ha <laughs> ha! You're going to lead my people out of captivity. Can you imagine? Okay, shepherds. We have dogs, dog, cats. We used to have a bird. The bird flew away. <laughs> and we have these possums right now. You, uh, you just got to get used to and comfortable with a certain level of stink when you have animals, right? You're going to get stuff on your hands when you're cleaning stuff up right they they just animals stink can you imagine so a shepherd lives and sleeps with his flock moses was stinky beyond all all comprehension he probably had stuff living in his hair stuff living in his beard and by stuff i mean like bugs mites right He's probably got hay stuck in his hair. He's probably got stuff caked on him under his fingernails. And yet God says, you stinky, smelly human being, you're going to break the back of the Egyptian empire and free my people. There's story after story in the Bible. And I just... I want us to get that we serve a father. You know, it's not like fatherhood is this hat that God puts on. That is his identity, and that is how we are to relate to him. We don't need to go up and be like, I want to commit God, but I'm scared. I don't want to get screwed over emotionally. Are you going to peace out on me when it gets tough? Ah, He is constant and faithful. If he takes care of little birds and he knows what diets possums need to eat, just let that sink in. He cares about us so much and he loves us so ferociously. And it's not because we are his property, it's because we are his children. Any one of you there who are parents if your kid came up to you and asked for something, okay, granted, there's chores and allowances and all that stuff, but if your kid came up to you and said, I, 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 need, I need this, I need, I need new shoes, are you going to just be like, well, you got to prove it to me? Earn it. <laughs> work for it. Or work for your food. That's not how it goes. We, our heart as parents is if we can provide it for our kid, we're going to do that. And there's just nothing, I remember, sorry Sophia, get ready to duck, or just <laughs> um, <laughs> with, with the, the whole math thing again, she was like, I'm so sorry, she's always gotten really good grades and everything else, just the math's always been, and she's like, I'm sorry, blah, 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 she was, I don't want you guys to be ashamed of me, or and we're like, there is nothing you could do to make us ashamed of you. Frustrated, yes. But ashamed, no. And there's nothing that will cause us to stop loving you because you're flesh of our flesh. Our heart is in you. Now, Sophia is our only kid, and we had fertility issues. So it took us quite a while to have her. And she is precious to us beyond all measure. And I have done things that I, I'm not proud of, but i do them all over again to protect her. <laughs> and <laughs> it may or may not have involved a four-year-old kid back in the day at, at Gymboree. He was... All right, since we're there, I'm just going to go all the way. So she... It was, fr-, it was free play day at Gymboree, and all these moms... No offense if you have long, pretty nails and your hair is done, but all these moms were standing... <laughs> In a circle, and you're supposed to keep an eye on your kid. Well, nobody was watching their kid. I was watching my kid. And I noticed she kept crying. And so I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, this kid keeps, I want to go on the slide, and this kid keeps, like, body bumping me or shoving me down. He won't let me go on the slide. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I found this, I found this child, And I walked up to him, and I said, "There's a record now." But I said, "Are you have you been pushing my kid and shoving her down on the floor?" He goes. I said, "Okay, here's the deal. If you even look at her again, I'm gonna push you down to the ground." Are we clear? I didn't touch him. I just said that. So Sophia went down the slide a couple times. And then playtime was over. And as we're leaving, I noticed that one of the moms that was standing in the circle with her super fancy nails and hairdo, she was talking to the little boy. And he was standing in the corner like this, (laughs) shaking. I was like, Sophia, let's go now. No, 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 no. But you you have a father that will do that for you. You have a father where there is nothing too small that he he knows when we lose a hair on our head. I don't know about you guys, but as if I as I've gotten older, right? I'm losing hair all the time and it's not fun. But God knows how many hairs we lose. And I think that just speaks to the intimacy and the love and the dotingness. Like, like God's a helicopter parent, you guys. (laughs) He wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. And there's nothing we can do to earn it. What we must do, though, is just walk in that and say, Abba, you're my Abba Father. And it's not like, oh, hey, buddy Jesus or buddy God. He's our Father, and he loves us. All right, can I have the band come up, please? So I just hope you guys go out today knowing that there's zero you can do to earn God's love or his devotion. It's just part of the deal when you become a child of God. And I think if we look back at the two two scriptures that we kind of dove into a little bit more, L- let me let me close with this. So I um, in college, I don't know how this happened. It was a God thing. I ended up having the dean of students disciple me for four years through college, and it was the most amazing thing because well because a lot of times I was getting into trouble and she's like I can't hear any more details or I'm going to have to write you up I was like okay right (laughs) so I was drinking a certain type of beverage in the dorms and she's like I don't want to hear anymore the amazing thing to me was pretty much any time of the day if I needed to go see her I could just pop in and she would clear her schedule and she's like what's going on She also went through breast cancer, but she still made time for me. And it made me, I just remember thinking, it made me feel so special that I had access like that. And I felt so like, oh man, I don't have to jump through hoops. I don't have to schedule anything with her secretary. I can just text her and be like, can I pop up? I need to talk to you about something. Or let's go get coffee. And she'd be like, okay, I'll meet you in the parking lot. That access and attentiveness just was one of the highlights of my entire life. And I want us to get that that's the access that we have to God the Father. Because he's a good, good father and he wants to look after every aspect of our life and provide for us. So let's meditate on that. And I just pray that as we're doing worship, we're singing this last song. The chains would be broken. Bitterness would be broken in the name of Jesus. Brokenness would be unbroken in the name of Jesus. Because we have a a good, good Father who wants to heal us and restore guys as you leave here and go do your thing for father's day or whatever you guys do on sundays i i hope you take with you i pray that like i like i said that whatever our our conception or however it's been tainted by our relationship with our earthly father that there would that would that would be severed in the name of jesus and that we would see God the Father as He truly is. A good, good Father who's like, I can hardly wait to pour stuff out on you. Blessings and grace and my goodness. But we have to be in a place to receive it. And so that means leaving our bitterness, leaving our preconceptions of God at the door. Even if we go We say, God, I am so scared. I don't want to be hurt again. Please help me. Give me strength. Man, I remember the day, because I had major daddy issues, major trust issues. I didn't even think I'd get married, honestly. So I was like, I don't trust a man that much at all. And I remember... The day where I was like, I think, I told Josh, I'm like, we'll just date for 50 years, but we're never going to get married. (laughs) And then as we started dating, obviously, and I remember it just, it was kind of like a aha moment. And I was like, I do want to marry Josh. And you know what? I know my, my God, my father is amazing. And he is never going to forsake me. He's never going to leave me and it was just like an aha movement. When you move from a place of security because you know whose you are, it's like putting on a, a, a weightlifting belt that holds all your stuff inside so you can deadlift huge amounts of weight. Holds all your stuff in, right? You're like, I'm gonna tackle this, I'm gonna go for it. Go in that knowledge, you guys know that chains have been broken that bitterness is broken off trust issues are are healed in the name of jesus restoration lord jesus i speak restoration over all of us and i pray that we would walk out of here god in the fullness knowing what a powerful good god you are and lord when 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 needed you you corner the devil and you, you're you like, don't push my kid again. Are we clear? Because I'll push you. <laughs> I thank you, God, that being a good father isn't just a hat that you wear. It is who you are at your core. And I pray, God, that we would, we would move, we would breathe, we would eat, we would sleep in the fullness of that relationship. We love you, Jesus, and we say thank you for being our good, good father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Happy Father's Day.